Hello, and welcome to Human Is My Label. This is your host, Emily Purry. I am a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sibling, and a former athlete. I work full-time, I am the founder of RAPID, a nonprofit organization, and I'm legally blind. I am so excited about opening the conversation about everything equity. We will primarily be talking about disability, as that is my lived experience, and it is often the minority left out of the equity conversation. I am passionate about equity for all identities, as I have family members from the communities of color, LGBTQIA, disabilities, and we span all ages. It is my goal to normalize these conversations, get people comfortable with the uncomfortable, and include everyone. After all, we are all human. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Human Is My Label. This is your host, Emily Purry, and I am here today with Jake French, an amazing speaker and has an amazing story. And it's very funny how I heard about Jake originally, but I don't know if I'll go into that or not today. But Jake, thank you so much for joining us here today. Yeah, you're welcome. Happy to be here. Yeah. So why don't you tell the listeners, you know, uh, this podcast is all about everything equity. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your identity, how you identify and, and then what we're, and then we can launch into what we're going to, what we're going to talk about. Sure. I'm kind of boring, straight white male, (laughs) (laughs) right? Who would have guessed? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And what other part of that? Uh, And you can uh, say I'm disabled. Yeah. I'm a C6 quad. So even though I can move, around pretty good i'm still paralyzed from about here down and then i've regained maybe 50 percent of my function in my upper body so like i feel my shoulders on down to these rippling biceps (laughs) i feel these two fingers but i don't really feel these three that's why i have like the fancy little t pinky hey i love it i love it um okay so i i get i think i will tell the story so back in the day i think it was like 2006 or 2007 i was caring for a woman and her name was lee and she was an amazing woman oh i just love taking care of her I learned so much from her and she i had experienced my knee injury at that time and she had told me about this guy and she said you know my and i couldn't remember the relationship to her when i met jake but um she said you know my i thought it was her nephew and so um, she passed you know maybe three four something years ago and I said, man, I never met this 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 guy that she talked about. Well, she told me about Jake, but I didn't know it was Jake. And then years later, I was looking for a keynote speaker. This was last year at our birthday party. And I look up Jake French's, who was a recommendation from somebody else. And I said, oh my gosh, this is that guy because of the story that was told. And so why don't you tell the listeners here today your story about um, your your injury and how you became a quadriplegic and how old you were, all that good stuff. Yeah, so I guess it'd be about 12 years ago now. I had just graduated college from the University of Idaho Go Vandals! Not <laughs> <laughs> ever. But anyways, beginning my dream job as a forester, working in tropical and steamy 
Tillamook, Oregon. Ooh, fancy. Oh, I'd hit the big town. <laughs> <laughs> but it was what I loved to do, walking out in the woods, uh, working with the trees, managing the lands that were owned by the state for timber production. This is what I what I was set out to do. And um, I worked there for about three weeks when I went back to my old hometown of Eagle Creek, which is kind of by like the Estacada, San Diego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where I spent the first half of my life. And a couple of my friends had birthday parties. So we went out. It was time to live it up that night. We hit uh, <laughs> all the bars, went to, got some good food, had a lot of drinks, did some swing dancing, just, just had a blast. And um, it was on our way home where we ran into trouble. Mm. Probably 2.30 in the morning, our DD pulled into the gas station to, to fill up. And um, I just was looking out the window at the gas station doors when they opened. And even from a distance, I, I saw this guy about my age stumble out. And you could tell, like, this dude was pretty messed up. <laughs> he could hardly stand. And so I, I watching him stagger, like, closer and closer and pretty soon something in my head clicked and i recognized him Mm. and i'm thinking like seriously what are the odds to be at this gas station i hadn't been to in seven or eight years at the exact same minute as my childhood best friend so like (laughs) i I throw open the the truck doors and just go running over to him i'm like hey dude it's jake man how are you this is this is crazy. We're meeting like this. I haven't seen you in years. How's life? So we talked back and forth for a minute. We're both really excited to see each other. And then when I turned my back to get something in the pickup, that's when he made a bad choice. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I, I don't know, but he uh, thought it would be funny to surprise me by putting me in a full Nelson headlock, like where you come under someone's arms like that and, and, and go like that with their head. Mm-hmm. So that su- really surprised me, and without the ability to put my hands out, we stumbled forward and fell, and the first thing to hit the pavement was my head. Mm. He landed on top of me. The weight just snapped my neck right, right about here at the six vertebrae, and in just one second, I went from on top of the world, new college grad, working my dream job, to laying on the pavement, looking up, uh, unable to move anything. Ugh. Yeah, it was it was crazy. <laughs> and so you were about 22, 23? 20, 23, yeah. 23, wow. Yeah, 12 years ago now. <sighs> and so from that moment, do you still talk to this? Did you talk to this friend after that moment? Well, that's a whole second side of my story that I really dive into when I do speeches. Ah, The okay. forgiveness aspect. Because after that happened, uh, my other friends came out and they're like, what, what, what's going on? The, the old friend that did that, he got scared and he left. Yeah, I'd imagine. And it's been 12 years and I still haven't heard from him to this day. Ooh. So, and we knew each other very well. I mean, I, I lived next to him for 13 years. My mom taught him in school. Uh, we, we knew each other very well, but... I just think that he got freaked out and I, I mean, I was on the ground and when you have a spinal cord injury like I did, your body tenses up around the injury site to protect it. Yeah. So I, I imagine I was kind of convulsing on the ground uh, quite a bit. So it probably was really scary. Um, Ooh. 
Okay, so, folks, you're going to have to hire Jake to hear the rest of that story. I want to definitely hear it one day. Well, um, you know, my, my, my heart is open. I truly think that one day he will come back into my life. And, and when he does, I, I'm open to it because I know that it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't something where he woke up that morning and was like, yeah, I'm going to get that Jake French guy. It was, <laughs> it was, it was just a mistake like we all make. And I just, I hope, I don't, I'm not angry about that part. I don't, I don't have time for hate and anger in my heart because no. I, I want to move forward. And, and I just don't see how looking back can help me achieve the things I still want to in life. Absolutely. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to introduce to all of you Tim Salen, the sponsor of our podcast today. And Tim is with Remax Equity Group. And man, he is different than all the thousands of agents you probably already know. When you're looking to buy or sell a home and you want somebody who cares, you want somebody who is patient, you want somebody who gives great advice, and you want somebody who is going to get you what you need, you need to call Tim. Okay, so you are injured. Fast forward to when you're getting back to what your new new life looks like. What is it? What what was that like for you? Well, stealing out a page out of uh, COVID, I had to create a new normal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is like your second new normal, huh? <laughs> oh my gosh, I have I should have write a whole book called the New Normal Day by Day. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So you had to create your new normal. And at first, did that seem possible? What did it seem hopeless? Did it seem where where were you at initially in that? I you know it it seemed a bit hopeless. I mean, it, it's hard to convey, but I I couldn't move anything. I mean, those first three months I, I did rehab up in Harborview Medical Center in Seattle. Okay. And I couldn't move an arm. I, I mean, I would look down at my body and it was, it was my body, but it wasn't mine. I don't know if that makes sense, but like I could see it, but I couldn't feel it, couldn't move it. And I knew that one day some motion would come back, but it, there was just no connection. So I could, I could feel a little bit of my hand, but not move it. So we had to work for months just to be able, I remember the first time to this day when I could touch the top of my head and my arm just fell down. I mean, it was, it was nothing. Wow. It took three therapists to help sit me up on the edge of a bed. And this is coming from a guy that used to do all the crazy stuff, jumping motorcycles in the air, you know, fearless. I'm telling you, Emily, sitting on the edge of that bed was like the most terrifying thing I'd ever experienced. (laughs) Really? It's weird. It would be like you sitting on the edge of the bed with your arms like taped behind your back and then lifting your feet up. So you're just like teetering there because if you if I fell forward I couldn't put my hands out to break my fall so it, it's just that fear of like wow I could crash to the ground and just bash my face out of nothing I can do oh my gosh so that, wow. that the therapist to learn to hold myself up with my hands and then to lift one hand up an inch off the bed I mean that was so scary because it's just like oh my gosh it's I'm only two feet off the ground but it was just terrifying to be helpless. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, that surrealism of it's your body, mm-hmm. but you can't make it do what you you want it to. You can't make it move. You can't make it, you can't feel it. You can't this, 
but you're like, this is my body. I ca- I cannot even imagine the surrealism of that. Yeah, it was it was super weird, but at the same time, I I still haven't found a way to explain this that I like, <laughs> but I'll I'll give it a shot. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. <laughs> while I was in the hospital, I was on the fourth floor at Harborview, and there were folks there for every reason you can think. I mean, there was a guy who'd been in a really bad fire and had been burned. There was another guy, I still don't know what happened to him, um, because after a while you learn that what happened to someone isn't important, it's just, it's just what they are, and you just kind of accept them as the person. Yeah. But um, this guy, he was missing both of his arms and both of his legs, and he was older than I, it was a recent injury, I knew he wasn't a veteran, but something had happened, maybe a car wreck, I mean, there were people there with strokes, there were people there with vent tubes, and so I'm looking around as I'm on the edge of this table, learning to you know lift a hand off the bed. And at that time, as bad as it was, I, I remember thinking to myself, it really, in a lot of ways, it, it couldn't be any better because I just had one thing. Like I just had a break, that was it. I didn't, I wasn't in a car wreck. I didn't have to heal other parts. I didn't have limbs missing. I didn't have a burn. I didn't have a stroke. I had family there. And it was an extremely humbling time to look around. And, and this is the part I, I don't like how I say it, but really to be like, wow, I, it could be a lot worse. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I don't like saying that because it's like putting other people down, like, oh, I'm glad I'm not him. Or I'm glad I'm not yeah. her. I felt exceptionally thankful to have, or excuse me, to have what I do have. And it was just, I don't know. It, it was really humbling. Like, wow, I, I'm glad I, I do have the potential of, of getting this part back. I, mm-hmm. I'm glad I do have all of my internal organs working right. And it, uh, yeah, it really, it was sobering. It makes you zoom the lens out and be like, whoa, wow, this is, there's a lot of other things that could be wrong right now. Well, and it's so interesting you say that because when you have a disability like you know i have sight still and so there is the other side of it where people are completely blind don't see light don't see color don't see you know it's just black and you know there's the argument in the there has been in the past um i'm not sure where they're at now but um they used to when people were being cane trained whether you were completely blind or you know going blind or visually impaired um, they would do cane training with those folks together and the people who still had sight were so um, emotional about being able to see how people were looking at them. Mm. And it was like, I can't do this because I can't stand the judgment. I can't stand people dodging me or running away from me because I can still see them. And then on the other side of the coin, people were like, stop your whining and complaining. At least you can see something. This is Emily, and I wanted to take a moment to talk about insurance. How many of you out there do not like dealing with insurance? I was one of those. And when I met Shelly Montevice from Country Financial, that all changed. I didn't understand insurance. I didn't understand what I needed, what I wanted, and why it was so expensive. Well, Shelly took the time. I am working with her on my business insurance for both Rapid and Prairie Consultants, and she helps me make sense of it. She helps me understand what I'm getting, why I'm getting it, and how to make it more affordable. So, if you have always thought that insurance is a racket, you need to reach out to Shelly Montevice at Country 
Financial. And you can find her contact information in the show notes below. Oh, that would be super weird. How do you handle that? And so there's that dynamic. So then they split the classes into two, visually impaired and blind, because it was becoming (laughs) not the focus point of the whole meetings. And it's very true because when I was being cane trained, um, must've been about six or seven years ago now, maybe eight years ago, I lost a chunk of my sight and they said, Hey, um, we don't know what's happening, uh, how far this will go, but let's get you cane trained. And I was so anxious. I don't think I've ever had anxiety that bad. I was down on the waterfront in Portland and watching people think, I mean, you feel like you have the plague. You feel like you have a disease that (laughs) COVID and you're coughing all over people or something. You feel so scary to these people who are completely dodging you. I mean, like jumping 10 feet out of the way. And I'm like, whoa, what is happening? And so I was like, I need to be blindfolded because I'm so anxious. I'm so self-conscious right now about what people are doing in front of me that I can't even focus on what I'm trying to learn. And so, so yeah, for you to have that perspective and that, that uh, kind of realization in the hospital is pretty incredible because a lot of times, you know, that's what people will say is, oh, well, at least, oh, well, at least, oh, well, at least you're still alive. You know what? I don't. I don't want to hear that <laughs> because what I'm experiencing sucks right now. Right. But for you to have that, I mean, I think it's a really, it was probably a really big pivotal moment in your recovery and how you saw the rest of it as well. Yeah, for sure. And it was a small piece of the puzzle. And, and you know, that's mm-hmm. one thing that uh, I get all the time in my profession as a speaker, or when I talk to folks, like you introduced me as a really positive person. I thank you for that. I work hard on it there's not never going to be just one thing you can do you know and people they want that all the time when they come to me like i said as a a speaker just a person who's you know pretty positive today like there's not just one thing you do and boom you're mentally healed you're ready to go you've recovered yeah (laughs) you know i mean yesterday i was having a hard day because i i uh you wouldn't another thing you wouldn't know about me is that even though I don't feel from the collarbone down, Emily, you could kick me in the shins, I will not feel it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the biggest disability probably in my life is um, chronic neurological pain. It's just the oh. weirdest thing. They don't, they can't explain it. They don't know why, but where I sit is on fire all day, every day. And it's just a deep, bruising, burning pain. So to deal with that, I've been work, dealing with that for 10 years now. Oh. I've taken every medication on the sun you can think. I'm trying a new one this week. Medication number 38. I don't know what it is, but it's, oh it's serious for med. And so yesterday I had my whole day of pro- productivity I wanted to have. And I'm like, what is wrong? Well, it's day two of this med. I mean, I just, I passed out. I fell asleep. I couldn't keep awake. And I lost my whole day yesterday. And uh, it might happen again today. I just took the med before we started this. And um, <laughs> so there's there's yeah. still, I mean, the the tools that I you and I use, you know, to keep moving forward, they're just tools to help. They don't solve anything. At the end of the day, your site's still not going to be what you want. My legs still won't do what I want. But it's it's just small pieces of the puzzle that we use to keep fighting forward. Absolutely. Um, it's never going to be just one thing, but it's, sure. it's all part of our toolbox, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So 
you're in the hospital and then you, okay, they say, okay, you're ready to go home, Jake. What was the, what, what were the kind of qualifications for you to head home? Um, insurance running out. <laughs> I was wondering if that's going to be the answer. <laughs> it was about three months and, uh, I was really lucky. I had both my mom and dad there to help me out. So it was getting things set up at home, I think was a big qualification, making it accessible. I had some amazing friends that helped uh, make the house accessible. So it was really just learning how to get my care system set up because I, I still need a lot, but I really needed a lot back then. And, and it was terrifying because when, when you're in the hospital, like, you just know you had that safety net. Yeah. If any weird thing goes wrong, like there's people that'll be there in two minutes. Yeah. But when you go home, and we lived way out in the middle of nowhere back then in a small town called Dufer, Oregon, 45 minutes from the nearest hospital. Oh, so wow. It was way out there. And it, it was it was just scary. Um, managing the meds, the doctors, that was, I feel like I had excellent care for almost all of what I did. But one part that I, I feel kind of fell flat a little bit was that discharge home. Yeah. It felt just kind of like my my system wasn't lined up. There was no doctor referrals. No, it was just like, all right, well, it's been fun. See you later. I was like, oh, okay. How <laughs> now do I, what? <laughs> I need all these supplies. How do I get that? And it was that was the only part I, I feel like that could have been better set up. Absolutely. And and for the listeners on on board right now, you know that's what rapid is. So when we're talking about an injury that somebody experiences. That is a very typical situation from what I've heard. Um, you, your wounds are healed up. You know, Jake was good to go. He could do certain things. His insurance ran out, whatever the case was. Um, uh, the home was as set up as you can possibly expect, kind of. But there's so much more you learn when you get home. Like, wait, we didn't think about this. We didn't think about that. So rapid is that transition point. And so that's where Jake would have come if rapid, the rapid facility exists, if he was being discharged and then he comes here for, you know, physical therapy to rapid for physical therapy, we can get those wraparound services at home to be like, okay, this is your local doctor. These are your local appointments. These are your local suppliers for your whatever supplies you need. Let's make sure your your wheelchair or whatever you're going to be using is ordered and on board. And then let's slowly reintegrate you back into the community. Because I think that's another piece that people don't think about, especially able-bodied folks, is not only is a human going from able-bodied to disabled and dealing with their own internal stuff around that, their insecurities, their un uncertainties, their doubts, their all these things, but then you get out in the real world and you go to the grocery store and you haven't even thought about the fact that people are going to look at you absolutely crazy. They're going to look at you and stare and gawk and wonder and ask and say all kinds of things. And so at Rapid, the, the facility that, you know, we're hoping to build in, start building in 2023, it's, it's going to slowly reintegrate you back in. So you'll go to the grocery store, you'll go to your first doctor's appointment with staff who can help support as well as coming back afterwards and being able to talk to peers and being like, oh my gosh, that was the most horrible experience in the world. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, I went through that last week and it does get easier. <laughs> but so that slow reintegration. So what did that piece feel like to you, Jake, the, the integration back into the real world after the, the security of the hospital? 
it was clunky and lacking. Honestly, I, I wish I would have had something like Rapid. Uh, we're just kind of left to do it on my own. I, I got into some wonderful physical therapists and, and OTs uh, eventually back home that were that were great. But I really wish I would have had uh, that peer support mm. network mm-hmm. of folks uh, like you're describing. I um, I learned so much from other people I connected with that who were disabled. That was just invaluable mm-hmm. um, to let me know that hey, I'm not the only one going through this. Or or yeah, they, they can talk to you about it beforehand, so that's not a shock when you're out at the grocery store. You know, there's little kids pointing and stuff. And yeah, um, yeah, that that would have been great. So. So where did you find those people when you did come out of the, where did you connect with those people? I'm just curious. Yeah. Well, luckily um, I actually knew a person who my mom used to teach with who is a quadriplegic and I, okay. I knew him back when I was able-bodied. And then when I became disabled, uh, we connected with Dusty again and I talked with him a few times on the phone. Like when I was in the hospital, he just said, Hey Jake, whenever you're, you know, whenever you're ready, I, I'm here to chat. And so we met up with him quite a few times and um, he has done just unbelievable things physically with his body. His, his body's the same as mine, but he's able to actually stand up and use a walker to take some steps and walk. I mean, it's wow. It's science says you shouldn't be able to do what he does. But but what's even more important to me is is what he's done up here mentally. It's He's a really tough guy. And um, so anyways, through him, I met a few other folks and uh, that was really, really helpful to me. Yeah. And I think that's the piece that even if it's not the same disability as being a quadriplegic or, you know, but people having that same experience as far as, you know, the kids pointing that people gawking, you getting lost in the grocery store or whatever the case may be, they can relate to that. So it doesn't have to be that same disability. Yes, that's helpful, but it's not that it's just that, oh, other people are feeling this. Other people are experiencing this and okay. So I'm not alone. That isolation that I, that I, um, we experience a lot of times. Oh yeah, I mean I can't relate to being sight impaired. However, I would love to if I would have met you back when I was first injured. Um, it, I would love to say, how do you just deal with your day not going like you want it to? <laughs> I mean, yeah. How do you how do you deal with your phone drops and for you, you might not see it right away, but I can't reach it. It's, it's at six inches out of my, how do you deal with that stuff? How do you set up help? How do you deal with people that say things that you're just like, what the heck? Why would you say that to me? Exactly. Exactly. And there, it's, it's a lot of similar things. Yeah. Like you're saying, like, I can't find it right now, actually. I <laughs> have been looking for the Alexa that fell off the shelf. <laughs> And I can't find it for the life of me. I'll help you there. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And I can't find it for the life of me and all my family members are gone. So (laughs) I'm with a week without Alexa in my office. (laughs) So (laughs) it's those things like that. Yeah. And it's like, you can relate in a different way to an experience like that. And that's the most important and we can laugh about it and you're not going to pity me for it. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing I experienced is just the pity and that's the last thing on earth you want to hear, yeah. but um, it's it just to be able to laugh about it with a group of friends that experience similar things. And you're just like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm not, it's not me. It's just mm-hmm. this, this is the way it is. And we're going to get through it. <laughs> yeah. And having those friends, I mean, you, they last a lifetime. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, that, that guy I was telling you about that helped me initially, Dusty. I talked with him a month ago and is 12 years on now. And we were still asking each other questions and still helping each other. I hadn't talked to him on the phone for a year or two, but just it's like right back. You haven't lost a step. And I'm still learning things from him 12 years later. And and honestly, that peer support that you get, I I just kind of found it organically. But places like Rapid could make that much more intentional, which oh, would have been a godsend. But um, my mom and I, who's still my caregiver, um, we still reference things that he told me the first month out from injury 12 years later. Wow. And little things you might say to someone and you, you don't even think twice about it, but it was what they needed to hear about a certain issue they're dealing with in that point in time. And they'll keep using that. And, yeah. and it truly does make an impact on people's lives. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, so rapid is also right now um, in the development stages of an app. And so this is a, a place <laughs> as we've all pivoted in COVID mm-hmm. about a thousand times, um, <laughs> we were really looking at what could we what could we do now that would be relevant in the future, regardless of what COVID looks like next year or the year after. And so it is creating that community on, on a digital platform that right now people can start connecting. So that peer support, as well as resources, as well as um, you know workout videos and, and accessible uh, things for folks with disabilities. But then also come the facility, you know, adding in that alumni track where you can connect with the people you were in in the facility with and others so that you can keep those connections together. And so we're really excited about that right now. I'm excited to be a part of it. Um, it, It's been the weirdest experience in that when I was in the hospital, I had some wonderful people come in who had been disabled for quite a while and, and say, hey, would you like to talk to me about, you know, your new life? and they, they really were help. I wanted to give back. I wanted to do that. I can't tell you, I've gone back to all the hospitals I've been a part of and they're like, I will volunteer my time. This yeah. Let me understand how this works. Like I come and work for you, you don't pay me. <laughs> it's good for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I haven't been able to volunteer all these years. Like I, I so I've been looking for that place to give back and help. And uh, it would be really cool if down the road if I could be a part of your group and, and do that. And I, I think there's a lot of other people who have ha- got that help and are looking for a place to contribute back. And it would be neat if they could uh, hook up with you and do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And this this digital platform, but then obviously once the facility's up and running, absolutely, that's an opportunity. And, and just having that place of positivity, but then also having that place to just be like, these days suck. And, and how do I, how am I going to get through them? Because there are a lot of people in, in your situation and mine who have either become visually impaired or lost their sight completely and have not made it through it. Right. And they've ended their lives. And so if we have these platforms, could that have changed? Could that have been different for them? And that's what, what rapids all about. And that's what, you know, and normalizing this and and having those resources would be would be most most helpful for of course yeah oh yeah and it would make such an enormous ripple effect impact because what most people don't see they see a person with a disability and they either say oh poor person poor jake whatever yeah. they focus on that one person and they don't think about when you're lucky enough to have a, a, a awesome family structure like I have, and it sounds like you have too. Mm-hmm. 
um, a disability impacts so many more people than just the person with the disability. Exactly. Yeah. It, it turned our family's life upside down and our community and, and all of my friends, it impacted too. And to this day, you know, it, it's just, I can think of, you know, a hundred people close to me that my disability has impacted and, and has touched. And it's, it's so much more than just one person. Exactly. So yeah. having something that helps the person who is experiencing a disability to uh, move forward, have the resources they need, be happy, be healthy, live their best life. That also impacts all the people around them because it it's a, such a an emotional stress on someone to know that someone they love is having a hard time or is not doing good. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, if that person got to the point where they, they felt like they couldn't do it anymore, harmed themselves or took their life, again, that impacts so many more people and it hurts their heart and just it hurts them and mm-hmm. if we could prevent that or if we could help other people to never even have to go to that emotional space and and like i said to do as good as they can that would make other people feel so much better about the person that they know and that they love um, it, it really has the the chance to impact so many more folks than yeah. just that one person you know that, that's dealing with the disability yeah, and having that opportunity for caregivers is also. Oh. I mean, your mom went from a mom to a mom and caregiver overnight. And yeah. to have the resources and the ability to talk through a lot of that. And I'm sure up at the hospital where where you guys were, there was a lot of family support because all of a sudden your life as a parent has changed drastically more than every other child that <laughs> changes your life drastically. But now it's it's magnified and you have never thought about this in your life. And now here you are. Yeah. You've yeah. never thought about, am I going to have all the catheters my son needs? Yeah. Well, well, how about the handy wipes? Well, how about these pills for my son? It's like a, a few months ago, you're worried of just if your son would come home to see you at Christmas and now I you're know. Like yeah. running his life like a little baby again. It's, it's gotta be just an absolute trip. And it, it can be so much of a stress that it, it ruins your life too. You know, my, my mom's had uh, heart issues and it's not just because of me, but it's because of just a, a lot of stress from, you know, her, she, her passion, like, you know, like I had a passion in forestry. Hers was being a music teacher. She did that for mm-hmm. 30 years. And the day that I got injured, talk about life being upside down. I mean, she had to quit that job, turn her life upside down. All of a sudden, what's being a caregiver? I've never thought about that. Now that's my 24 seven job. Yeah, I yeah. wish we would have had resources to make that easier, just to let people like my parents know that, look, this still is hard. We're not saying something like rabbit can just take the, the job away, but there's hope. There's a thing out here. There's people that can and will help. Absolutely. So just yeah. to have that, I guess you could say light at the end of the tunnel, but there's something there rather than just kind of, well, I I guess we'll figure this out on our own. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Like, I guess one day at a time. And, you know, yeah, you have that resources and those that, that support. Absolutely. Okay. So before we wrap up, one of my favorite questions, either in your life or in the world, if you had a magic wand today, what would you change? And how do you do that in baby steps every day? Hmm. Uh, I mean, I'd love to wave it and just say world peace, that that's kind of a big ask. 
I guess I would help people understand that just because something's not right for you doesn't mean it's not right for someone else. Mm. And I, it's a lesson I wish I would have learned when I was younger, just for understanding other folks. And uh, I think there would be a whole lot less misunderstanding and yelling and hate if, if that, uh, if people would kind of take a step to think about it that way. Mm. And how do you do that every day in the, in baby steps in your life? How do you try to implement that? I try like when I watch a YouTube video or the news and something just like strikes me as what the heck are these so-and-so's thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I try to zoom the lens out and just say, maybe I don't have all the information. Yeah. Um, try to think, you know, maybe they know something I don't, maybe they're coming at it from a different, uh, different viewpoint and uh, then just politely change the channel and go watch something else. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. So you are a speaker and you are still looking, always looking for speaking engagements, correct? Yeah, absolutely. What's but your then, ideal audience or what, what if, if somebody's listening that says, Hey, I could plug them in here. Where would that yeah. be? I have a lot of different groups I fit with, but some of my favorites, I love speaking to groups in the medical profession. Mm. You know, I re I'm really good at helping, uh, whether it's like a facility or, or, or nursing teams or healthcare teams, uh, find ways to improve the patient experience without spending extra time or money. Mm. And some of the things we were talking about today, ways to help people feel like, improve their perception of the care they receive. That I think that can make a big difference. And then kind of the other side of what I do really is motivational. And like, for example, in next month, I'm speaking for uh, JGP Wealth Management and helping kick off their, their new business quarter with some strategies people can use to focus forward okay. and instead of getting pulled down by all this crazy stuff going on in the world right now. Yeah, exactly. Okay, perfect. Um, and where can people find you? What's your website? Where's your, what's your, do you have handles? On oh, my website is super top secret. It's jakefrenchinspires.com. <laughs> I had okay, to make it I could remember it. There you go. I love it. And are you on any of the social platforms? Yeah, but I'm terrible at them. You can just okay. find me on Facebook. <laughs> okay, perfect. So I'll put your website on the in the show notes, everyone. So if you're looking for a speaker, reach out to Jake. He's phenomenal. Um, and he was also at the Rapid Birthday Party, and he did our keynote there, and it was amazing, perfect, on point. <laughs> not rehearsed. It was amazing. So um, reach out. Thank you so much, Jake, for coming in and, and talking with us. This was awesome. And I, I look forward to working with you more in the future. Yeah, you're most welcome. I'll help anytime. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me here today at Human Is My Label. Don't forget to subscribe, share this with your friends, families, and coworkers. Get out there, get comfortable with the uncomfortable, include everyone, and push yourself to be better every day. If you're interested in coaching or corporate training or learning more about RAPID, visit us at rapidorgan.org. That's R-A-P-I-D-O-R-E-G-O-N.org. You can find me at emily.purry on Instagram and all my other social handles are below. Have a great day and I can't wait to see you next week.